the sermon, initially I was planning on finishing off our series, right? We've been looking at key relationships, some human-to-human relationships, and today we were going to get to the all-important relationship of our relationship between us and God. And as I was sort of preparing for this, kind of like last week, sort of same thing, I just sort of felt the Lord steering me in a little bit of a different direction. We are still going to touch upon some similar passages, some similar themes, but I felt God sort of directing me a little bit toward uh, talking about having a really zeal and passion for the Lord, being passionate for Him, having a, a great zeal for Him. And I think it's something that really is an important thing in the life of the church, is an important thing in the life of the believer. And I certainly felt God calling me to do this. And so I said, Lord, even though I had other plans for this sermon, we can set that aside and I'm going to be faithful to how you're directing me, Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about this, being zealous for God, having that zeal for him. And then in that zeal, in that passion for the Lord, then going out and serving him faithfully, passionately, uh, with great joy, of course. And I thought that this was something, too. It's not that this was planned, but even having Mariah here and sort of hearing about this YWAM program, the discipleship training school, in a sense, on some level, what that program is about, if you think about the first three months and then the second three months, sort of different emphasis for both. The first three months, certainly there's an emphasis on growing in faith, but part of that is really gaining this passion and zeal for the Lord. And then having that now newfound passion and zeal for the Lord, sort of being set on fire for him, then for the next three months, hey, go out and faithfully serve him. Go to some far off place and really be a witness for Christ and lead people into his kingdom and serve him in that great zeal and passion that now you have uh, for the Lord. And so I think really, I think it's a great tie-in as well, even as we talk about this discipleship training school, it fits perfectly. Really, that YWAM program is what this sermon is going to be all about, that we as followers of Christ ought not to be lukewarm, wishy-washy, apathetic toward the Lord in our faith, right? But rather, if we're going to follow the Lord, we have to be on fire for Him. And that's really what Scripture talks about, and we're going to dive into Scripture and say, well, what does Scripture say specifically about this matter and having a zeal, a passion for the Lord? And we're going to take a look at Revelation chapter 3. You can flip there now. And this is going to be verses 14 through 22. Uh, Something similar here, in a sense, as compared to last week. Last week also, I sort of changed the direction of the sermon, not at my own leading, but sort of at the leading of the Holy Spirit, just like this week. And, And what we wound up doing was looking at a church, right? One of the early churches, really the earliest church, right there at the beginning of Acts in Jerusalem. And we looked at them as really this great example of what a church ought to be and ought to look like. Not that they were perfect, we know they weren't, of course, but nonetheless, with great faithfulness, they lived out what it is to be a church. And so our application, in a sense, was let's be like that church. Well, today we're going to look at a church, but it's a little bit of the opposite, and it's sort of one of those let's not be like this church, because the church we're going to read about, the church in Laodicea, they were not zealous for the Lord. They were not on fire for Him. They were not passionate, but rather they were really wishy-washy in their faith. They were not on fire. They were, as it's going to say here, lukewarm toward the Lord and toward their faith and their walk with the Lord. But let's read what this passage has to say. So, Revelation chapter 3, starting at verse 14. Write to the angel of the church in Laodicea. Thus says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the originator of God's creation. So this is Jesus speaking. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. 
So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. And I want to pause here for a moment uh, and really talk about what's going on here and, and set the context a little bit because it's somewhat relevant uh, to what Jesus is saying here to this church in Laodicea. And one of the things that Laodicea was known for in regard to its water supply was that it was quite blah and lukewarm. And so if you think just part of daily life, if you lived in this city, part of daily life would have been drinking this water because it's sort of what you had. It's better than no, no water at all. But the water was kind of lukewarm. It wasn't very pleasant. It was something that when you put it in your mouth, you sort of wanted to spit it back out. It wasn't this nice, cool, refreshing spring water. It was just, yeah, it'll sustain your life, but it's not particularly pleasant to drink. So they were well acquainted with lukewarm water and how unpleasant it is and how you would sort of want to spit it out. And of course, God is very much aware of this. Jesus is very much aware of this as he's talking to his church here. And so he uses this imagery that they would have been very familiar with. And he says, you, my church, right, you're neither hot nor cold, right? Of course, the desire would be for this church to be red hot, right? On fire for the Lord, on fire for him, just having a zeal for the Lord, passionate for him. But if that's not the case, at least accept what you are and be cold toward the Lord. In a sense, instead of being for him and on fire for him, be opposed to him. But in a sense, what he's saying is you can't be sitting on the fence. You can't be lukewarm, sort of in the middle, wishy-washy about things, sort of apathetic toward me. Either you're for me and all in and totally for me, 100% on fire for me, or you're against me and pick and choose, right? You can't just sort of sit in the middle, and that's what he's saying. And so because you're lukewarm, right, you ought to be red hot for me, but because you're lukewarm, just like you would want to as you drink your daily drinking water, you'd almost want to spit it out. Yeah, you swallow it because you have to to survive, but you'd almost want to spit it back out because of how unpleasant it is, right? In the same way, sort of spiritually speaking, because your response and disposition toward me and toward the faith is sort of lukewarm, God's saying, what is my response? Christ's response is to say, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. I'm going to reject you, is the statement there. And then reading on, for you say, I'm rich, I've become wealthy and need nothing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you may be rich, white clothes so that you may be dressed and your shameful nakedness not be exposed, and ointment to spread on your eyes so that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and discipline, so be zealous and repent. See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him, and he with me. To the one who conquers, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. Let anyone who has ears to hear listen to what the Spirit says to the churches. Now, I'm not going to unpack, unpack every little bit of that, because that's not my task here. But, but particularly as this passage relates to zeal for the Lord, that's what I want to emphasize. And sort of at the, pa at the beginning of this passage, what we saw is the statement on the part of Christ, right? Lukewarm faith, lukewarm disposition to me is not okay. That's not acceptable. Either be hot or cold. Either be for me or against me. But if you're going to be for me, be 100% all in, passionate, zealous for me. Right, of course, but they're not. So what does he command them to do, right? He says, so be zealous, right? He says, as many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. And that's what he's doing to this church. And so he says, so be zealous and repent, right? Turn from this lukewarm faith and instead be zealous for me. Be passionate toward me. Have this fire for me. 
And serve me, of course, in that passion and zeal for me. Serve me passionately, faithfully. And so we see that, of course, as followers of Christ, we are called, we are expected, God expects us to be on fire for him, not to be sort of, you know, lukewarm in our faith, you know, claiming to follow Christ, but sort of not really having any great strong affection for him, not really living passionately for him, you know, just sort of lukewarm. That's not what God wants. That's not what he expects. It's not what he desires. We need to be passionate for him, zealous for him. And we see this elsewhere in scripture. And I want to read now Romans chapter 12. You can flip there if you'd like. Verse 11. And this is Paul speaking here. So it's not just that we see this emphasis on the need to be zealous and passionate for the Lord in Revelation. But we see it here in Romans, as Paul's speaking. Verse, uh, chapter 12, verse 11. He says, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Right, basically, in a sense, don't be slothful in zeal. Don't, don't be lacking in zeal. Right? Of course, you ought to have zeal. You ought to be passionate for the Lord. Don't be lacking in that. And then reading on, I'm reading from the ESV, though I'm going to retranslate it a little bit. Uh, be fervent in spirit. Now, that's a possible translation. Really, there's sort of two ways you could translate this. Be fervent, that sort of means be on fire. Fervent, that, that's a legitimate translation. Be on fire, now is this in spirit, lowercase s, sort of like spiritually speaking, right? In your spirit, be on fire. Or is it capital S, that is be on fire in the spirit, the Holy Spirit. And both are legitimate translations or, or possible translations. The question is, which is right? And I would say what Paul has in mind is the Holy Spirit. He's saying, don't be lacking in zeal, but rather be on fire in the Holy Spirit. That is, the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to set us ablaze, set us on fire for the Lord. And we ought to be on fire for him in the Holy Spirit. And then he closes this with serve the Lord. And these aren't just sort of three random exhortations that don't go together. They intimately go together. It's don't be lacking in zeal, but of course we ought to be zealous. We ought to be passionate for the Lord. We ought to be on fire for the Lord. And that's going to be a result of the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our hearts. And then what naturally flows out of that, if we are on fire for the Lord and zealous for him, passionate for him, we will serve him and we will serve him faithfully, passionately. And that's sort of the natural outworking of this being on fire in the Holy Spirit. And so they intimately tie together. And so this is really what I want to talk about, is being zealous for the Lord and recognizing, of course, that in that zeal, then we are called to go and faithfully serve the Lord passionately, faithfully. But then we say, well, how are we going to sort of get this zeal? The reality, if we're not zealous for the Lord currently, if we're not sort of passionate, we're maybe a little too lukewarm in our faith, we can't set ourselves on fire for the Lord. That's what, what Paul's saying here effectively. is You're not going to set yourself ablaze for the Lord. It's the Holy Spirit who is going to be the one who's going to do that. If we're going to be on fire for the Lord, it's going to be because the, Lord set, because the Holy Spirit sets us on fire for the Lord and makes us zealous and passionate for Him. And so I'd say, well, okay, if it's the working of the Holy Spirit, then, then how do we bring this about? I would say starting point is pray. Right? If it's the Holy Spirit who's going to bring this work about within our hearts and cultivate within us this passion for the Lord, if he's the one who's going to set us on fire for God, for him, right? then let's come before the Holy Spirit on our knees and say, Holy Spirit, do this in me. 
I need to be on fire for the Lord. Or even if you're somewhat on fire for the Lord, then say, I need to be more on fire for the Lord, more passionate, more zealous, and to say, Holy Spirit, bring that about within me. I'm not going to be able to change my heart, but you can, Holy Spirit. Change me on the inside. Give me that fire for the Lord that I might honor him and glorify him in that way and faithfully, passionately serve him day after day after day. So it's a matter of prayer on the one hand, but I'd say there are things, practical things, that we can do to, in a sense, foster the working of the Holy Spirit. And this is where I want to now turn to James chapter 4, verse 8, or the first part of verse 8. And what I would say is that if we want to foster the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our lives, in our hearts, as He transforms us, and part of that transformation is going to be giving us a fire for the Lord, then we need to draw near to God. And that's what James chapter 4, verse 8a speaks to. It says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Right? If we want the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, prayer is certainly important. Let's come before the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, do this work in my heart. But also what we can do to foster that working in our lives is to draw near to God. Instead of sort of staying far from him in our walk with the Lord and sort of doing our own thing and God's sort of just on the periphery in our life and doesn't seem to be too much of a priority. Instead, we need to seek after the Lord, draw near to him. And as we draw near to him, God will draw near to us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit will draw near to us. And what happens when the Holy Spirit draws near to us is that he's going to do what he does. The Holy Spirit is going to work as he normally works, which is to bring about transformation on the inside and to mold us more and more into the image of Christ, into the likeness of Christ. And part of that work of transformation is going to be cultivating within us this great passion and zeal for the Lord. He's going to set us on fire for him. And so if we want that zeal, if we want that passion for the Lord, if we want to be on fire for God, well, then what should we do? draw near to God, have him draw near to us, and as the Holy Spirit draws near to us, he's going to work and do that work within us and cultivate within us that passion and zeal for the Lord. Now a good question to ask, sort of the next logical question is, well, what can we do to draw near to God? What does that look like? In a sense, it's simple. It's just sort of go and be with the Lord. Hang out with him. If you're going to go and draw near to God, well, go and be with him. Right? It's sort of day after day after day just spending that time with the Lord, seeking just to be with Him, just to fellowship with Him, to communicate with Him in prayer, to, to run to His Word, to soak up that message of truth that He has given to us. Right? And so it's a matter of just being with the Lord, that quiet time with Him in prayer, in His Word, just sort of soaking up His presence. That's what it looks like to draw near to the Lord. And as we do that, the Holy Spirit will draw near to us and carry out that work of the Holy Spirit and give us that passion for the Lord, that zeal for Him, set us on fire for the Lord. So in a sense, you might say, well, that, you know, so it sounds easy. If we want to have this zeal for the Lord, this passion for Him, we want to be set on fire, set ablaze for the Lord, well, we just have to spend some time with God. In a sense, it is that simple in the sense of it's straightforward, and yet the reality is it's not that easy. And I have some statistics here, and these are very reliable statistics from uh, reputable polling organizations about evangelical Christians and, and sort of pertaining to some of these things related to drawing near to God, right? So related to prayer and how frequently evangelicals pray uh, and regarding uh, scripture reading as well. And here are some of the statistics, okay? Regarding daily Bible reading, 
only 36% of evangelical Christians actually do it, actually read their Bibles each and every day. That doesn't mean that, that the other 64% never read their Bibles, but this isn't part of their daily practice where day after day they're saying, God's word needs to be a priority to me. This is the very word of God that he has given to us, and I ought to make that a priority and sort of dive headfirst day after day into his word. And so only about a third of evangelical Christians are even doing that or even drawing near to the Lord in this way, going to his word day after day. And I would say if we're going to be honest, right, probably of that 36 percent, an awful lot of them aren't really spending a lot of time in God's word, especially in today's day and age. It's easy to sort of have your Bible app or some sort of emailing service where they shoot you, you know, your, your Bible verse for the day and you read your one verse and maybe it takes, you know, 10 seconds to read it and then 15 seconds of just sort of pondering about that. And now you've sort of done your thing. You did your daily Bible reading check. You know, it's off your list now and you're good. And the reality is that counts as part of the 36%. So how much of the 36% is really doing that, which is better than nothing, but it's not really greatly drawing near to the Lord and greatly engaging with the Lord in his word. And so I'd say really, if you want to look at the numbers, it's probably quite a bit less if you want to say what percentage of evangelical Christians are really in a significant way engaging in God's word daily. And so, right, if we want to have a passion and a zeal for the Lord, this is something that we need to be doing. And the reality is the church isn't doing it by and large. And so naturally, what are we going to see if people aren't going to God's word regularly? Well, you're going to see a lot of immature faith, people who are not so passionate in their faith, but maybe a little bit lukewarm. And I think all too often we see that in the church. I don't think that we're a church that New Hope Chapel specifically. I think the American church is all too lukewarm at times and not as committed as, as the church ought to be. But I think here at New Hope Chapel, we're not some, you know, Laodicean church that is just so totally lukewarm toward, toward God and so forth. No, I do think we have a passion for him, but I think that passion could still be stirred up a bit more and all the more we could be set on fire for the Lord. And I do think we're a church that thinks that God's word is a priority and seeks to be in his word regularly. But again, that doesn't mean that we can't challenge ourselves to say, let's grow in that. You know, if you're in God's word every other day, we'll challenge yourself to make it every day. If you're in his word every day, but maybe it's sort of like, you know, a minute or two and that's it, make it 10 minutes. You know, challenge yourself to grow and draw near to God all the more as you engage with his word all the more. But I want to talk some other statistics as well. These at least look a little bit better, right? It's not as bad as the 36%. Uh, but, it, you know, the question is, well, how do evangelicals pray, right? Are we doing a good job related to prayer? Or are we just as bad at prayer as, as, as Bible reading? Um, it seems a little bit better, but again, I kind of want to qualify it. The statistics show, this is done by the Pew Research Center. The last statistic about Bible reading was Lifeway Research uh, that did that. But so Pew Research has done their polling and their study, and 79% of evangelical Christians pray daily. So I look at that and say, you know, I'm not sure what's up with the 21%, but that's okay. You know, almost 80%, that's not bad, four out of five, and they're praying daily. But then I sort of back up a little bit and I think about it and I say, well, you know, how many of those people might be, well, they're praying daily technically, but it's, you know, they give thanks for their meal each and every day for dinner and, and that's it. And that's their daily prayer. And now it counts check mark, you know, they fit into the 79%. Or how many, for how many is it, you know, a one-minute prayer when they get up in the morning or maybe before they go to bed, and that's the extent of their prayer life. And it's not this real, deep, profound, intimate time with the Lord that is not just a minute or two, but really in, a, in an elongated way, just engaging with God, just being with Him, fellowshipping with Him, and communing with their Lord, with their God, with their Savior. 
And I think unfortunately probably the number is a lot smaller than 79% if we were to ask, well, what percentage of evangelical Christians in a daily way are really in a deep way engaging in prayer? It's probably a lot smaller. And I want to talk about the sort of the example that Christ sets in regard to spending time with his heavenly father, right? The, the example that he sets in regard to that and how that was a priority for him that drawing near to his heavenly father was so important for him. It was his priority above everything else. And we see this in a couple places, specifically with regard to prayer. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, I'll read this for us. This is one place where we see it. It says, one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and spent the night praying to God. And that doesn't mean that that was every night and Jesus literally never slept every night. He was just spending the whole night in prayer. But it, it, it does sort of show and give us a little insight into Jesus's heart for his heavenly father that what he wanted to do was just run to his heavenly father and just spend time with him so much so that, hey, one night he goes out to a mountainside to pray and he just spends the whole night there because he just wants to be with his heavenly father and there's nowhere else he'd rather be. Right? And is that sort of our heart attitude, or maybe we're a little too guilty of the eh, little quick prayer here or there as I happen to need something, I need some help from the Lord, a little 15-second prayer there counts as I, I prayed for the day, or give thanks for food. And those are all good things to do, but that shouldn't be just the extent of it, and that's all. We need to really yearn to be with our Heavenly Father, yearn to be with God, and spend time with Him in prayer as Christ did. And we see it elsewhere, Luke chapter 5, this is verses 15 and 16. It says, Yet the news about him, this is about Jesus, spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Right? So this is a big deal. You know, Jesus has people flocking to him. They want to hear him preach. They want to be healed of their sicknesses. That's, that's great work for Jesus to be doing. Right? And it would be easy for him to get caught up in that and sort of forget about spending time with the Lord. But of course, he's Jesus. He's perfect. So he didn't get overly caught up in that. And he remembered what the priority is, of course. He's perfect. And so we read on. It says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Right? I think often we have all sorts of things in life uh, tugging at, at our attention, demanding time from us. Things far less important than proclaiming the truth of the gospel and healing people of sicknesses, right? We might think all those things in our lives are oh so important, yet we let that uh, suck up all of our time rather than doing what Jesus did, which is to say, as important as those things are, I need to go and want to go and spend time with my heavenly father and just be with him, just fellowship with him, just communicate with him and pray to him. And that's what we ought to do as well. That's what a true, healthy, biblical prayer life looks like. And I think in all reality, particularly if you think of the American church, that's not what most of our prayer lives probably looks like. It's probably a lot less than that. It's not really as deep and intimate and profound. And what we're called to, if we really want to see uh, that really being set on, see ourselves being set on fire for the Lord as the Holy Spirit works within us, as we draw near to God, of course, and he draws near to us, if we want to see that taking place, we need to, in a profound way, be drawing near to the Lord. Not spending time with him just a little minute here or there as we sort of rush to get that time over with because we have other things to deal with that we feel are more important, but rather if we really want to draw near to God, it ought to look like this, what Jesus was doing, whether that's spending a whole night in prayer because you just want to be with him because he's your Lord. He's your God. Or maybe it's even as busy, the busyness of life is sort of 
all around you and it's easy to get caught up in it, you sort of say, no, I'm going to hit the pause button. I'm not going to be distracted by those things, just as Jesus did, right? He hit the pause button in a sense and said, I'm going to go and spend time with my Heavenly Father. And we ought to do the same. Say, no, I need to spend time with God. I need to have that quiet time with Him. Be in prayer. Be in His Word. Just sort of be in His presence and fellowship with Him. And that's what it looks like really, truly, in a profound way to draw near to God. And so if we want to see ourselves set on fire for the Lord, this is what we need to do, right? We certainly need to come before the Holy Spirit and ask Him, come before Him in prayer and say, Holy Spirit, do this work within my life, within my heart. Give me this passion. Give me this zeal for the Lord. But also we can foster that working of the Holy Spirit. And the way we're going to foster it is by drawing near to God in this way. Not in sort of little itty-bitty ways, you know, reading one little verse here or there from the Bible and spending about 20 seconds on it and say, good, I did my time, I drew near to the Lord. But to say, no, this really needs to be this great priority in my life where I'm just running to the Lord and I just want to be with Him all the time, just soaking up His presence, communicating with Him, being in prayer, being in His Word day after day after day where that's a priority. And as we draw near to the Lord in that way, as the Holy Spirit then draws near to us, as we draw near to Him, He's going to work. He's going to work in profound ways. He's going to grow us and mature us in the faith, mold us more and more into the likeness of Christ, really in every way. But part of that is going to be, as we're sort of focusing on now uh, in this sermon, is part of that is going to be, as He matures us in the faith, faith is going to be setting us on fire for the Lord, giving us that zeal, that passion, that we as followers of the Lord ought to have. And so if I, I kind of want to come back big picture, right, and, and, and sort of give us an application in a sense really in two stages. The simple general application, I'll get a little more specific, but the general application if we think of the sermon is quite clear. It's right, be zealous for the Lord, right? Have that passion, that zeal for the Lord. Be on fire for Him. Don't be that Laodicean church, just sort of lukewarm in your faith that God then sort of wants to spit out, in a sense. Don't be that type of church. Don't be that type of follower of the Lord. Don't be wishy-washy, lukewarm, apathetic, right? If you're going to be in it for the Lord, then be all in, 100%, giving the Lord your all, just having that heart for Him, that passion, that zeal, being on fire for Him. And then, in that zeal, in that passion, being on fire for the Lord, go and serve Him. Right? That, that's sort of just what naturally flows out of that. If you're on fire for the Lord, no one's going to be able to stop you from serving Him because you're just so on fire for Him. It's what you want to do. You just want to go and serve the Lord faithfully day after day. So then not just be zealous for the Lord, but then in that zeal, go and serve Him passionately, faithfully for His glory. Right? So that's sort of generally the application, be zealous for the Lord. Right? But then I want to be a little more specific. If we recognize, well, if, if we want that zeal for the Lord, how are we going to get that? Well, as we talked about, it's a matter of the working of the Holy Spirit. And so the more specific challenge that I want to give to us is, first of all, to pray, to really genuinely, I don't mean just pray it one time, come before the Lord today and pray this prayer one time and leave it at that, but, but sort of as a regular pattern, come before the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, stir my heart toward a zeal for the Lord. Give me that passion for you, right? Maybe when you came to faith, Way long ago, you were just all on fire for the Lord. But it can be easy over time for that roaring fire to sort of cool down a bit. And maybe it's just sort of glowing embers at this point and so forth. Is the excitement of your new faith and all that Christ has done for you that sort of can start to wane at times. Not that you don't genuinely love the Lord, but it's just sort of not this new exciting thing. And you sort of lose that love that you had at first on some level, right? Maybe that describes you, maybe not. 
right? But come before the Lord and say, Lord, stir me to that kind of passion, that kind of zeal for you. Holy Spirit, set me on fire for you so that then in that fire for you, in that passion for you, I might go out and serve you faithfully as you have called me to. So that's the first specific application point is to come before the Holy Spirit and really pray that. And not just one time, but day after day be saying, Holy Spirit, give me that fire for you today. Give me that passion for you, God, today. Stir within me that zeal that I ought to have as a faithful follower of yours. And then the next step is to really and truly draw near to God, right? In prayer, in his word, just spending time with the Lord. And here's where I want to get pretty specific about it. I don't want to leave it vague in general and say, just spend time with the Lord, you know, be in prayer more, be in his word more, draw near to him in that sense. I think the more vague in general it is, the easier it is just sort of to forget about it and not really do it. But I would say, whatever, take the time to sort of really analyze your pattern of quiet time with the Lord, the time that you spend with God, and sort of take a look at it and say, you know, what do you really do? What is your pattern? Maybe every day you get up in the morning and you spend maybe 10 minutes with the Lord. Or maybe it's not every day, it's every other day. Whatever it is, sort of take a look and be honest with yourself and evaluate yourself. And then whatever that is, challenge yourself to sort of up it a little bit. So if you're coming before the Lord each and every morning, but maybe it's 15 minutes, you do your little quiet time, your devotional before you head off to work, that sort of a thing. Say, you know, well, I've been doing 15 minutes, but let me up that. Why don't I make it 20 minutes or 25 minutes? Or why don't I do not just the 15 minutes in the morning, but then 10 minutes in the evening after I get back from work. Whatever you're doing, take the next step and increase that and, and draw even nearer to God than you already are. Or maybe you aren't you're spending that time with the Lord each and every day. Maybe it's every few days. And in your case, maybe the challenge is to say, instead of every few days, make it literally every day and set that pattern for yourself. Challenge yourself to each and every day be spending that time with the Lord, drawing near to Him. So then He will draw near to you and the Holy Spirit will work and, of course, bring about that transformation within you and stir you to that passion and zeal for the Lord. So whatever you're doing now, challenge yourself to up that, that standard that you currently have for yourself in your prayer life and, and devotional life with the Lord. And if you do, you're not going to regret it. You're not going to look back on it and say, oh, you know, I could have done better things with that time. You know, I could have watched my favorite show or I could have done some more work around the house. You're not going to be sorry that you gave more time to the Lord. If you really challenge yourself, you really faithfully live it out, the result of that is going to be a greater walk with the Lord, drawing all the closer, all the nearer to Him. The Holy Spirit's going to work. He's going to grow you in the faith. There's going to be a greater joy in your life in the Lord. And you're going to be set on fire for the Lord all the more. And the result is going to be God being glorified even more in your life and blessing in your life, spiritual growth and blessing in your life. So if you really hear the challenge, if you really live it out, you're not going to regret it. You're going to be so overjoyed that you did it. There's going to be so much blessing for you. There's going to be a glorification of God in the midst of it. And it's going to stir you just to up your game even more and to want to draw even nearer to the Lord so that you might grow all the more and be all the more passionate for the Lord. So let's really live out this challenge so that we might not be like that church in Laodicea, but be all the more like that church we talked about last week for those of us who are, who are here. That church, of course, right there in the beginning of Acts that was on fire for the Lord, passionate for Him, living for Him day in and day out. Let's be like that church, having a zeal for the Lord and in that zeal serving Him day after day. Amen. And let's pray. Lord God, we want to be passionate for you. 
No one comes to faith in you and says, Lord, I just want to be apathetic in my faith. A little wishy-washy, nice and lukewarm. Lord, that's not our desire. We want to be sold out for you. We want to be passionate, zealous for you in every way. But all too often, that passion maybe at one point that we had, it starts to wane a little bit, it starts to cool, and we start to look a little bit too much like the Laodicean church, Lord. And I pray that that wouldn't be. May we hear this challenge to be zealous and passionate for you. And in that zeal to go and serve you faithfully day after day after day for your glory, Lord. And to that end, may we come before you day after day, Holy Spirit, asking you to set us on fire, set us ablaze for you, Lord God. And may we draw near to you, God, as well. Spending that time with you day after day after day, just soaking up you and your presence, fellowshipping with you, being in your word, communicating with you in prayer. May we draw near to you in that way that you might draw near to us, Holy Spirit. Transform us, change us, mold us into the likeness of Christ, our Lord and Savior. And certainly part of that will be giving us that zeal and passion for you, God, that we ought to have. May we challenge ourselves to grow in that, to draw near to you more and more with every passing day. And may you work in our hearts, give us that passion, set us on fire like never before, Holy Spirit. And then in that passion, may we go out into the world and serve you day after day for your glory and also knowing that it will result as well in our blessing. In Christ's name, amen.